Hey, nerds! It's Geeks of Cascadia. Geeks of Cascadia. Geeks of Cascadia. Exclusive tabletop game podcast for the uh, Pacific Northwest. All levels of gamers. Analog gaming. Tabletop news. Dungeons and Dragons and Magic. Stupid, mindless bad. There will definitely be some bet. That's probably our best. Lot that, that's, 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 our, that's our best feature. You are listening to the Geeks of Cascadia podcast, featuring Steve Hobbs, Paul Anderson, and Joe Costa. Hey, Geeks. Blue Samurai here. It is episode 30, and of course, I'm with my co-hosts. You can go. Um, <laughs> and the Costasaurus. We don't script this at all. I totally threw a wrench in there. Yeah. Messed the order up. And we have a great, uh, well, first of all, if you don't know about our podcast, where have you been for the last 30 episodes plus? But we are your podcast to tabletop gaming news, mainly around the Pacific Northwest, but we talk to game designers, artists, game store owners. Um, Kickstarter entrepreneurs, I don't know, all kinds of things. People who just play games. Yeah. Sometimes we just go to different countries and check out their game stores. Yeah, we do that all the time. All the time. Mainly Estonia. Because we get so much podcasts. (laughs) Mainly Estonia, though. But, guys, what do we got going on for the show today? Well, today we uh, talked to, um, well, you were in Estonia. Uh Uh, I sat down with Ryan Lopez. He's the co-designer of the side expansion uh, called The Rise of Fenris. Oh, yeah. That's right. You both of you guys interviewed him, and I know Joe loves that guy. Joe loves. Uh, I wish I did. I, uh, I totally flaked on that one. You didn't make it. I didn't. It's I. I. I now being sick is no reason because I could have remembered to tell Paul, but honestly, I just absolutely forgot. I got off early. I went home. I laid down, and I got a text from Paul that said. Please tell me you're on your way, yeah. and I instantly my anxiety levels went up, and I felt horrible. That's okay. if, if, if I had known <clears throat> you weren't coming, I would have chickened out and rescheduled, and then we would probably. Would I am sorry, Paul. The interview, but uh, I actually had a nightmare that I was gonna that the same thing happened for this one that yeah. I forgot. I oh, kid God. you. I'm not even kidding. I had yeah. a nightmare uh, the night before last night about that. Yeah. Well, just remember, when you don't come in, you don't <laughs> get that sponsor money. Yeah, uh, that's right. I, yeah, that's I am bummed that that I couldn't be here for that because well, that is in my top three the, games. The good news is, is you can watch it on YouTube. Yes, yeah, <laughs> or listen on the podcast, or both at the same time. Yes. So what do we got for news? Con news. Yep. Yeah, well, we have a little con called OrcaCon, which is the furthest out that we're going to talk about, and that is on January 11th through the 13th. So that will be a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. That will be at the Hilton Bellevue. Um, in Bellevue, Washington. I would advise listeners, um, get registration, pick, get some of those hotel rooms. The hotel has given us amazing rates for the con, and... and the rooms are filling up fast. Yes. yes. I missed and out on one. you don't get a room, though, there's also the Red Lion next door. Well, but trying to get to Well, the, there's rooms in the hotel. Yes. I got, so, get to, I got one. Just don't get the special price if you don't right. get into the room rate. Right. Yeah, so. and so I I hit that up pretty fast after our last mm-hmm. the last yeah. meeting. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so I got a couch. If anybody wants to stay in there, listeners, just give me a call and uh, come to my room. Yeah. That that's how horror movies start. <laughs> that's totally how they start. Yeah. Yes, there you go. Um, Night with Hobbs. Yes. <laughs> Hobbs End. Yeah. So what else do we got for? Uh, yeah. By the way, that's a movie. Hobbs End. Yeah. 
Well, is it, it's a horror I movie. remember it. A B. I'm uh, sure it is. I remember it as the town uh, from a movie that had Sam Neill in it, In the Mouth of Madness. And about a writer who wrote horror books. Turns out they were real. Took place in a made-up town that he created and he pops in. Anyways, huge rabbit trail. But the uh, <laughs> some other cons that we have. Now, this summer, there's going to be a bunch of different cons, of course. Um, it's going to be the season coming up. But a big one for locally for us is going to be PAX. That's going to be in August. So that'll be August 31st to September 3rd. And that's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And usually we have uh, a table there at Community Euro. I don't know if we will this year, but... Check us out. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. We've had a table there, Community Row, the last few years, yeah. and um, it's awesome. Great people. Um, it does have a heavy focus on video games, but there's a good amount of um, tabletop games there. Um, I can't say for this year. I don't know for sure, but I know Daily Magic, a local game company, who is awesome and has like the sweetest people that work for them. Um, they've been there the last uh, few times I've been there, and just yeah. So they're gonna be there. Um, yeah, there's been lots of companies there, so cool. that's another big one there. Yeah. And? Uh, there might be one called Dragonflight. <laughs> yes, there we go, Dragonflight. Yeah, there's, there's, there's also Dragonflight coming up. Um, but I always have trouble finding the actual date for it's, it's it. It's the 24th, 25th, and 26th of August. Yes. Thank you. I only know that because I'm not allowed to go on the 24th because it's my birthday. There it is. Yep. What way to celebrate your birthday than tabletop gaming, Paul? And Dragonflight is awesome. <laughs> it's, Man. Um, it's awesome. If you go to Dragonflight this year, then you'll know exactly where OrcaCon will be. Next year, it's the exact same location. Um, both places are really yeah. friendly um, and great places to just game totally. and play. Yeah. We'll, we'll be there. there. Yeah. We well, we won't be there for the first day. Oh, no, I won't be there for the first day. I'm hoping to be there the uh, Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Yes. Um, I think we're going to have a table. I keep forgetting to email them. I'm going to remember to do that maybe tomorrow. Yes, okay. a table. All right. If I talk to Mark... Tomorrow, very relative for our listeners. I to officially mm -hmm. get that in. I'm going to remember to do that. Excellent. Also, I found out today... I don't even know how I found out. There's this, um, this Kickstarter that ended yesterday for this convention called Opticon over on the Olympic Peninsula. And um, they, their Kickstarter, they, they doubled their goal. Oh, wow. And okay. it's just a straight-up board game convention. And it's August 3rd, 4th, and 5th in Swim, Washington. And that sounds really cool. Love new cons. Love more games. Let's, maybe we should check it out. Yes, and I wish I would have known about it earlier. I've been plugging this every other week on the podcast. But Good. Well, maybe we go. they... You know, we should try to interview them, maybe. We should. All maybe right. we can meet halfway. Call us. Yes. Call <laughs> yes. us. We can meet halfway. We're desperate. <laughs> we need content anyway. <laughs> Um, and yeah, I can go into some Kickstarter stuff. I got yeah, some stuff to do that. Depends on when this goes out, though. What are we thinking, fellas, for when uh, this is going to hit? Know. I'm, hoping, I'm hoping next week. I'm going to have a little wow. time on my hands. Like on like on Monday? Uh, maybe on Monday. If this yeah, comes yeah, out on Monday, uh -oh. I'm going to be in Soap Lake. Well, let's say this. Take your computer if, to I'm, going, I'm, going to edit, I'm going to edit it there. If this oh, comes out... No Wi-Fi. There's Starbucks. <laughs> if this no comes Starbucks. out within eight days... Man, we pay you good money. Have you been to I can't believe this. Um, no, but it sounds like <laughs> no, a really should, clean lake. <laughs> if, if you hear this within eight days of May 28th, um, there's a local company who um, is on Kickstarter right now. They've been on it before, and they've been very successful. 
they do an RPG. Um, it's an all ages RPG, and they have just really short um, campaigns that you can do. Uh, it's great. I've been honestly, I'm gonna be picking this up. I don't know if it'll be through here or if it's just gonna be at a con, but I want to get it for my classroom. Uh, it fits within the age age range. It's five and up, but it's called No Thank You Evil, and it. It is, it's not just an RPG for kids. It's like an RPG that kids can play with adults. Um, you're creating your own heroes. I mean, everything you would think from RPG games, and then you're going through, and you have somebody, you know, who is the game master who's leading it. Um, it's really awesome, and they're a Kickstarter right now. They're also local, a Seattle company. They were at the first OrcaCon. Um, we're hoping to get them back this year if we already have i am not aware if we have or have not but i know that we wanted to they're just they're really great so they are on kickstarter um and they've they're they're not at their goal yet they're at twenty-seven thousand dollars as of the time of this and their goal is 40. um i've only heard just really really great stuff about that yeah they should uh, come talk to us sure. i'd yeah. love to talk to them uh, another big one is for people who like the One Night Ultimate Werewolf. You guys ever played that? No. It is really, really fun. It is a social deduction right game, a.k.a. you gotta lie. Uh, some people can't play it because they feel yeah, guilty for lying. Lie, yeah. And mm. for me, I... Mm. Sadly enough, I feel like I'm good at it. I don't know if that's a good or bad thing to be good at a game that you lie a lot at. Um, no, I think it's great. I think it's good. Like at Navy Day, um, we were playing the Resistance. Yeah, same, same concept. Yeah. S- Steve and I were the spies. That's right. Shorter. We were good. <laughs> oh, it's we were, so good. We killed them. We did. That was great. It was awesome. So it's like that, yeah. but it's it's in five minute games. Okay. You know, mm-hmm. essentially it's mafia. Remember the card game mafia, where you use the, oh, cards? the card game. Yes. Yeah. It, that's exactly <laughs> what it is. But we're anyways. They have one called One Week Ultimate Werewolf. So it's one week, and this one has a lot more components to it. Mm-hmm. Um, they're doing just fine on Kickstarter right now, but I know that's one that they do give um, exclusives and things like that. Their goal was ten thousand dollars. They are at one hundred and twenty-two, five hundred eighty-seven thousand dollars. Yeah. Bananas money. And then the other one I want to talk about because she was mm-hmm. the illustrator for this was our special guest last year. Uh, Beth Sobel, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. and so there's a game from um, Eduardo Baraf, and then she does the illustration for it, and it's called Herbaceous Sprouts. So they've done a card game called Herbaceous before, but in this one, Herbaceous Sprouts, you're actually having a main center garden, and you mm-hmm. are collecting seeds. It's kind of like a set collection. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're collecting seeds, and and you're using different tools and you're trying to grow different herbs and flowers to score points. Um, of course, the art is just gorgeous, um, but that's another Kickstarter up right now for somebody, people who are uh, relatively local, so. Very cool. Yeah. That's very cool. That's yeah. All right, well, I think we got everything in. Yeah, uh, do you want to talk about what the game we're gonna review later? Oh, yes. Let's that what, we got, what we got we, going we, on We've got a game review coming up with um, Doug and Kelly, and that is called Rajas of the Ganges. And I think it must be relatively new, because people haven't heard of it yet. I haven't uh, heard of it yet. I'm talking, talking to Glenn, we're around the table. Talking yeah. to Glenn, Glenn hasn't heard of it, so and is it, this, it must be a new thing. Does this have to do with the Ganges family, like from Sam Ganges' family? No, it's Ganges, it's the River oh. Ganges in India. Okay. Got it. Okay, Okay. so it's not a Hobbit Lord of the Ring game. No, it's a work replacement um, dice thing. Yeah. So interesting. Okay. And it was on Kickstarter or? I don't know. No, no. Okay. 
All right. Well, I guess I l- I'll just we're, watch we're, the video. We're going to find out. That's right. I don't listen to the podcast. Really? And and then you get that's right. And then you're doing the interview. So what what do we want to do let's, first? Let's, let's do Ryan Lopez first. He's been waiting long enough. He I mean, has been a long time ago. All right, <laughs> let's do that. All right, cool. Mr. Lopez, I All like right. that. Ryan, what do you got to say? Here we go. This segment of the podcast is sponsored by Dragonflight, a tabletop games convention dedicated to promoting the educational and social benefits of gaming in the Pacific Northwest. Sign up now for the August 24th through 26th convention at the Bellevue Hilton at dragonflight.org. Now back to our show. Hey, nerds. We are here with Ryan Lopez. He is a co-developer of the new Scythe expansion. How's it going, um, Ryan? It's great. Uh, thanks for having me. Oh, I'm thanks. Really excited to be here. Thank you for uh, coming to meet with me. And yeah. us, well, unfortunately, um, neither Blue Samurai nor the Costa Soros are here. <laughs> so we're going to do our best. Just a one on one. That's fine. Really lean on those guys. Um, but so, this, uh, you're working on the size expansion. That's really exciting. But first, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So um, I was born and raised in Boise, Idaho. And then uh, after college, I taught English in Japan for a year before. Or, and then after returning from that, I moved to Colorado, lived there for about 10 years, and wow. then just moved out here. That'll be four years ago this summer, September. So wow. I've just been out here okay. for a few years. So you're, you're, so, yeah, you're just new to the area. That's, yeah, newish, yeah. yeah. So moved cool. out of here, promptly had a kid, and yeah. just had our second kid about awesome. uh, eight weeks ago. So. That's great. That's yeah, great. Yeah, it's a busy, busy time. Yeah, I know? bet. Yeah, <laughs> plus uh, working on games and stuff. Yes. Yeah, and yeah you, that's been you, exciting. And you, of course, like most game developers, have a day job. Yes, I am a high school English teacher here yeah. in the Snohomish That's School District out here. Really cool, very important. Yeah, yeah, I try. Too bad <laughs> Joe's not here because Joe's an elementary school teacher. Oh, really? Yeah, Excellent. yeah. Yes. Um, but so, teachers, most props. Great. <laughs> well, thanks. That's thanks. A, um, that's very cool. Um, how, Scythe is a big, very cool thing that everyone's excited about yeah. and enjoy. How did you end up working on the expansion? Yeah. It, it, it's kind of funny when I first was able to tell people about the fact that I had worked on it. I I always felt like I was lying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would tell. I mean, I told we're at around the table. It's my. Uh, I just live a few minutes from here, and I told Tim, the owner here, uh, one time, and I just as I was telling him, I thought I almost started laughing because <laughs> I was like, "This sounds like a filthy lie. It's, like it sounds like the worst thing in the world." Getting away from the imposter syndrome. Is, yeah, yeah, is, exactly. It's just so I hard. Just, so anyway, um, my road to this is kind of uh, unusual, and I have to give a lot of credit, honestly, to to Jamie Stegmeyer uh-huh. because um, I am at least the second of I think the second of three or four fans he's worked with okay. on, on, okay. on projects, and I just don't think that's normal in the industry, yeah. from what I can tell. Yeah. But I had uh, so Side came out in August of 2016. I was a Kickstarter backer. Okay. So I got my copy. I actually got it early, like a lot of us did in July, but I was out of town, so that was awful. And I had to sit there and just wait <laughs> oh, to God, play my yes. game that I've been anticipating. I've, I've had that happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, um, anyway, long story short, there was some talk early on that it would be a great campaign style or legacy style game. Like uh-huh. people were like, ooh, it would be great to have a size legacy game or something. Yeah. And I thought that too. <laughs> that would be really cool. Yeah. And then um, Morton Monrad Peterson, the designer, uh, he, he's uh, the founder of the Atoma Factory, who does all the solo modes for the Stonemaier games. Okay. And he's done a few other games as well. He posted a thread on 
Board Game Geek that said it was something to the effect of a completely untested Scythe Atoma campaign or something. Okay. And the original thread was basically just a list of like 10 sort of loosely connected scenarios that were like like challenges basically for the solo players. Yeah. And I was looking through that and I thought, I could do this. I could make some challenges for players to play. And, and, they could, you know, whatever, make people look at the game a little differently. Uh-huh. So I sort of mulled it over for a week or so. And then just kind of got a bunch of ideas and in a big flurry of activity over, I don't know, four or five days, put together a first draft of a side multiplayer campaign. Cool. And I really wanted it to have, like, a story element that kind of connected it. And my original campaign was kind of a... So Scythe takes place in this alternate history post-World War I, uh-huh. 1920s. Yeah. And my story was kind of like, all right, so World War II is virtually an, an inevitability, partly yeah. because that's how we are as people. Yes. And yeah. so I sort of told the story. Each game was 11 games long, ultimately, and each game kind of represented a year of gameplay or whatever, or time, uh-huh. and a story that kind of built toward a potential World War One. Oh, I'm sorry, World War II. Uh-huh. And um, so I posted that to the Board Game Geek group, and... Jamie said some nice things about it and then said he would share it to the Facebook group, the side cool. Facebook group. And then I said, oh, right, there's a side Facebook group. I should join that. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and then from there, it got a lot of buzz for a week or two and then sort of just disappeared. I got a little bit of feedback from uh-huh. people. But when I posted it, I said, look, I, I don't have time to play test this. I think it's basically okay, but it has probably some holes. Um, I had done a little bit of play testing, but not extensive. Yeah. And uh, I was hoping the community would help. And, yeah. you know, it takes time to get to a campaign type thing. And that was early in the Scythe life cycle. So I didn't hear a whole lot of feedback. And it just sort of died down. And then roll around to, uh, that was in October, November of 2016. Roll around to January, late January, early February of 2017. Um, I had sent Jamie an email just, just out of the blue. Because I had been seeing some things online that I thought, oh, that's you know, some kind of complaints or criticisms. And things that, you know, people yeah. like posting about wanting to have uh, replacement parts for games and okay. stuff like that. Okay, so just general scythe comments. Yeah, just general scythe comments. Okay. But it felt like, I, I don't know what it was. I don't remember exactly. It just felt like Jamie seemed to be dealing with a lot of, uh, grief is too strong of a word, but like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we don't it, say nice things on the internet all the time. No, we Even don't. Even big fans don't it, always. Yes, yeah. And yeah it passionate wasn't like, fans. Yeah, and Jamie's awesome. It wasn't like it was something he couldn't handle or anything, but I had been reading his, his old blogs about why he quit Kickstarter uh-huh. also around the same time. And I thought, I don't know, we should say more nice things. So yes, I, yeah. I looked yeah. him up on Board Game Geek and I just sent him an email and said, hey, yeah. Jamie, I just want to say, like, I think you're doing a great job and this game is awesome and That's I love cool. it. That's cool. And he, and I said, look, you don't, you're busy. You don't have to email me back. You know, I'm, I understand. Yeah. But he's amazing and he emailed me back like the next day or the same day and, and said, hey, thanks. It means a lot to me. And then... A day later, he said, by the way, are you the same Ryan Lopez who was oh. on the, San- the oh. Scythe fan, cam- yeah. fan campaign? And I said, he said, if so, I want to talk to you about something. Wow. How, what, was, what did that feel like? <laughs> that was a super weird moment oh. in my life. Yes. Yeah. Because at first, it wasn't actually till later that I thought he could have been annoyed about something. Uh-huh. But he had said nice <laughs> things, so yeah. I kind of knew he wasn't. But yeah. this was like three months later, just out of the blue, no contact. Yeah. And he remembered your name. And just like three months later, yeah. yeah. And so I thought, he must be making a campaign game uh-huh. expansion, and maybe he wanted to use one of my scenarios or something. Yeah. And so I emailed him back. He, he sent me his, his private email account, and I emailed him through mine, you know. Yeah. 
And uh, You're I share said, that with us now, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I emailed him, and he said, "I just said, yeah, that that was me. What's up? You know, something to that effect." And, uh-huh. and he sent me this long email back, basically saying, "Yeah, I, I'm. I'd like to do it. There's a lot of fan interest. I think it would be good. Cool. He's very responsive to fan interest." And he said, basically, I, I don't have time to do it alone. Yeah. And uh, I realized later that he was probably, I don't know for sure, I never actually asked him, but I think he was in the middle of his Charterstone playtesting. Okay. okay. And I know Charterstone was a huge endeavor for him, so yeah. that playtesting must have been brutal. It's a legacy game, and I imagine that's, that's going to be I can't, tough. Yes, I can't imagine. <laughs> yeah. So he basically said, I need somebody to help me out with things like story and stuff. And I said, you know, yes, yes, a thousand times, yes. Yeah, uh, and because you don't say no to that opportunity. Yeah, and so yeah, that's how it started. Uh, it was just a random interaction. That's like, so cool. So the there's fact, so. there's hope for people yeah. who, who want to participate in the creation of games. Yeah, you go ahead and make that leap, make a thing. Right, and that's, that's it's, so cool. It's kind of interesting because that's I just did it for kicks. Yeah, I just thought it would be fun, and but it is something a lot of people say. I've heard other designers like I know um, on the Ludology podcast, Jeff Engelstein has said before like. Take a game you like and make a fan expansion or change yeah. something about it. And that's what I did. And and I can see where that would work. I don't know that it would work with every company necessarily. Yeah. And I, as I said at the beginning, I want to give Jamie credit because I could have been a lunatic. Yeah, like, exactly. I, don't, I, don't, yeah. I like to think that I'm not. But yeah. like, he didn't know. No. <laughs> he, yeah. just, he just contacted He just reached out to me. And he did the same thing with the second Scythe expansion. The Wind okay. Gambit was a, a fan expansion. It started as a fan expansion wow. for airships. Okay. He reached out to Kai Stark, who lives in Germany, and said, uh, let's do this, basically. And again, like that is that's so a cool. huge risk. Yeah. And then he's done it again with the My Little Scythe, which was recently announced in his newsletter. It's okay. a, like a basically family-friendly variant. Cool. That was based on a fan game that that Hobie Chow up in Vancouver made. Wow. And uh, he got together with Jamie, and or Jamie got together with Hobie and said, hey, basically, let's do this. And again, that was a different thing because that was a separate game. Uh-huh. And he's pretty, they're both pretty clear that this is not Scythe Scythe. It's yeah. sort of a spiritual yeah. inspiration, but it's its own unique game. It's not just like simple Scythe. Yeah. It's, it's, it's got its own mechanisms and everything. But with... The Wind Gambit and The Rise of Fenris are, I uh-huh. don't think I ever said the name, but people no. probably know. <laughs> With The Rise of Fenris and The Wind Gambit, this was kind of Jamie's baby. Like, this is his big game. Yeah. Kind of a tentpole for his company. And, and to reach out and share that yeah. with someone. Somebody else. Yeah. To reach out and share that with somebody else um, and give them a fair amount of creative control. Like, I, I didn't have any meaningful uh, limitations yeah. uh, that he imposed on me. And he really let me run wild until about September. And it was wow. right around, so he contacted me in February, like February, the date is, it, it's up there with my children's birthdays. It's, it's February yeah. 2nd, he sent that email, and I was just like blown away. Oh, I bet. And um, from February 2nd until like September, October, I mean, he gave me feedback and he said, uh-huh. this is the direction I want to go. This is not so much the direction I want to go. But he didn't impose any meaningful limitations. He but let me sort of feel so around. Cool. Yeah, so I did a lot of feeling around, exploring throwing ideas out there, working with them, saying, nah, I don't think this is going to work or whatever. And he was pretty supportive and he gave his feedback on everything, but he he never just like put his foot down and said no okay. um, along the process. Now, it's possible I just like mind melded with him uh-huh. and and went a direction he wanted to see us go. But it, it, 
either way, he was very generous with the creative that, part, part of it, that which is, is great. So awesome. Yeah. And then he came in in September and October and started like putting his stamp on it, and it was amazing. Yeah. It was like, yeah. it's like basketball is my sport. So it's uh-huh. like watching a basketball game and going, I mean, yeah, LeBron James is a pretty good player, uh-huh. or Michael Jordan's a pretty good player. Yeah. And then suddenly they realize they're, you know, eight minutes into the third quarter and they go, I don't want to lose this game anymore. And they just find this other level uh-huh. and, and just destroy yeah. everybody. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And just sort of end the game before the third yeah, quarter's over. Yeah. And you go, oh, that's right, one of the best of all time. <laughs> That's right, yeah. And that's how I felt about Jamie. He came in and he just sort of let me go. And he's like, yeah, what about this? And gave me some feedback and gave me some pushes in different directions. But cool. mostly just let me go. And then he started doing stuff. And I was just like, you just saved me months. Yeah. It would have taken me yeah. forever to get here. And you just did it in an email. That's amazing. Yeah, it was fantastic. That's and so, cool. And uh, so the final product is, is you know, just infinitely better because of his contributions. I All I basically ended up doing was the groundwork. Yeah. yeah well, <laughs> I wrote the narrative. I, yeah. I wrote the story, which is, I think, the main reason he contacted me to write the story. But I had just sort of run with design stuff, too. And, cool. And... Uh, I laid the groundwork with the design, but man, all the polish came. It was amazing to watch it happen. I just, every email, I was just like, wow. How do you think of this stuff? I don't, yeah, I don't know. How do you clean this stuff up? I, my stuff is clunky. Your stuff is smooth. <laughs> Here we are. Experience and all that. Yeah, wow. I know, yeah. right? Cool. So, so what, with no spoilers, yeah. what can you tell us about the expansion? Um, so, as a, a lot of people probably know, a lot of it already okay. and as Jamie has announced it'll be uh, the, the full rule book will be available May 30th I think May 30th 31st cool um, in his newsletter he'll announce it in his newsletter um, go to Stonemaier Games if you want to get to that newsletter yeah yes. <laughs> uh, but it's uh, so it's a narrative campaign expansion kind of a narrative based campaign okay. expansion uh, He was. it was very important to him from the beginning that it be uh, narrative driven not just a series of kind of clever okay. game yeah. mechanisms yeah. and so we, we really started from that I struggled for a little while early on and then um, finally I just sat down and wrote a short story okay. I said like I need to know what's going on here uh, some of the episodes weren't connecting well and yeah. I was having some trouble trouble with things and uh, we were at 9 or 10 episodes that short story ended up sort of once I started transplanted it over it, it reduced it down to 8 was the final number um, and it kind of follows the post Great War, but not in the same direction my fan campaign did, where it kind of inevitably leads to World War II. Yeah. Uh, it follows a, a whole new storyline and directly imported from uh, Jakob Rosalski's notes. So, Jakob is the artist who created all the world of 1920 okay. plus. Okay. That's the artwork that inspired the original Scythe game. Okay. So, early in the process, Jamie sent me. Um, a, a message with a bunch of yo- uh, notes that Jakob had for the storyline, basically. These are notes that he put together while they were designing previous uh, game and expansion. Yeah. And a lot of it was stuff that, like like the name Fenris, for example, uh-huh. without spoiling what that is, comes from those notes. Okay. And some other stuff comes from those cool. notes. Um, a lot of people may not realize, although it's public knowledge, that, that um, Nikola Tesla is the founder of the factory in the game. And that right. is public knowledge, but it's in the art book, and I think a lot of people, and it's on the Stonemaier website, but I think a lot of people haven't explored that. Okay. So Nikola Tesla plays a role in the story, uh, this Fenris wow, entity. Is there, is there a death ray? <laughs> is there a Tesla death ray? Can you tell me that? I'm not going to say anything okay. about confirming or denying death rays okay. in the game. Um, but anyway, so those elements 
all of the story elements basically came from notes that Jakob sent me. They were very, very much a skeletal outline. Okay. But um, and then I also went back. I have the art book from the Kickstarter, and I I went back and and scoured the art book looking for paintings that might be um, inspirational for certain scenes and things like that. Yeah. And so there's actually one scene in particular that I can recall that I specifically gave the story of. Okay. And fortunately. Uh, uh, that scene has the painting like attached to it in the rule book and everything. It's very awesome. Nice. Awesome. So, um, yeah. So it's it's really a, a narrative driven story, but it's it's all new stuff. It doesn't explore the backgrounds of the existing characters as much as some people might have expected. Okay. That was something we considered when yeah. we were when we were going through the design process. Sort of a kind of ended up a cutting room floor. Can't always do everything. You can't, and um, we we didn't want to bog it down yeah writing those storylines was going to be a tremendous amount of effort for gameplay gameplay wise what would have amounted to flavor text okay yeah but extended flavor text and i think people would have liked it but they would have liked it for the reasons people like flavor text yeah and it might have actually set the production back by weeks or months to yeah. get through. Like, it was yeah. a lot of work, I realized, and I finally had to just can it, and Jamie supported that decision. That makes sense sometimes. So, yeah. Um, but the expansion is very story-driven, um, but you don't have to play the, the campaign at all. It's got 11 modules that you can play, plus okay. some other goodies I'm not going to spoil that aren't considered modules. Okay. Um, and, yeah, you, you don't have to play the campaign at all. You could just open it up and start ripping into stuff and... and Say what's going on here? There's a wow. there's a page at the end of the rule book somewhere in the back of the rule book that lists all of the different gameplay modules and um, what pages they're found on. So the rule book is comprehensive. Uh-huh. And the other side of the rule books, the Atoma, which is for solo mode, was a separate rule book because okay. of the campaign nature. It's it's integrated to this rule book, so every episode has its own Atoma. Rules all right, and stuff. all right. So there's a list at the back about where to find the rules for everything if you just want to dive in or if you need a reference. Okay. Um, and some of those modules are going to be great. I think two to four of those modules would be the kind of thing that people could almost integrate into every game they play. Wow. So like the for those who know the Wind Gambit expansion, um, it has the airships and the resolution tiles, and you could put those airships in every game. Okay. Some people might not use them much in a given game. Some yeah. people might use them a ton, and like. Even within a game, I might use my airship a ton, and you might ignore it entirely, okay. just depending on play styles. Yeah. And in that same kind of vein, I think there's probably two or three at least of these modules that you could just put into every game, and maybe you go nuts with it this time, uh-huh. and maybe I just kind of go, ah, it didn't really work well, out for me. It's great that you can play your way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's I, re- I really appreciate that. Sometimes you sit down and play a game, like, here's these things you have to do to right. achieve this thing and get these victory points. Right, right. And he's like, well, meh, that's not really what I do. Right. He's like, so that, that, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and some of it will fundamentally change, not how you play the game, but how you interact, I guess, with the game uh-huh. and with the, the mechanisms in pretty exciting ways. A couple of things that Jamie dropped at the very last minute, uh, his designs I didn't even have input on. Yeah. I, I learned of them, and I was like, Goodness gracious, this is amazing. Uh, one was the, the co-op mode, and I did have a little bit of input on that and just doing some testing and stuff with okay. that. Um, the co-op mode he's already announced. It's pretty exciting. It's going to cool. be a fun thing. It's not like revolution. I don't think too many people will say, I only want to play side with the co-op mode. Yeah. But it's a really cool option, like a really neat challenge. And uh, I'm super excited that we put that in because I know people have expressed an interest I, in that. I personally very much like co-ops. It's yeah. Like playing, yeah. Like, trying to get my wife to play a game. It's like... If we can participate together, right, that works a lot better than we're fighting each other. Right, yeah. And this co-op's great because it's basically, there's a few rules changes, but it's basically just a game of scythe. Like, it's yeah. not huge rules changes. You're just sort of playing against the game as a co-op yeah. is. You kind of have a, a mutual enemy. 
and you're working uh, it's a little bit of a race against a clock and okay. it's a really cool system the other thing he did at the last minute this is even later I won't say what it is <laughs> but it's amazing is, is, is it zombies <laughs> it's not zombies oh, okay. I will say that I will say there are no zombies in this expansion good sorry I, I hate zombies <laughs> take that axis now lies I hate zombies so anyway, there's a lot of modules. People have asked, could you combine them all? And uh, not only would you not want to, but actually you can't. Some of them are mutually exclusive. Okay. Um, but without giving too much away, we have modules that will increase the combat aspect of the game, okay. which some people have complained about. They want more combat because yeah. it's a game with these giant mechs. And I personally love it as is. Like It's kind of a Cold War game. Like yeah. I'm a, I don't like what you're doing, so I'm going to camp my combat units next to you to make you nervous and make you wonder when I'm going to attack. Cool. I have no intention of attacking you. Yeah. It's just to freak you out, yeah. right? I like That's that part cool. of the game, That's the psychological cool. warfare yeah. of the game. But some people want more combat. So we have modules that will actually increase that, okay. which is pretty exciting. Uh, and we have a module or two that will reduce the combat. Like if you feel it's too combative okay. um, and you're a little more of a peace and love kind of player, <laughs> okay. we have uh, at least one module in there that will... Uh, allow players to it doesn't eliminate it but it de-emphasizes yeah. well, that's it, interesting right? so, that's, yeah. that's cool so and it, and in de-emphasizing the combat it emphasizes other things that people may not have always paid as much attention to yeah so um so that's pretty exciting i think i really think there's something for everyone it was important to both of us from the beginning that the campaign not just be a standalone thing uh -huh. originally our idea was you could go back and replay a scenario from the campaign okay um, we moved away from that in favor of this kind of this modular system yeah. where you can sort of just say, I really liked these three elements okay. and we'll play with these frequently. And there will probably be two or three that every group just sort of says, nah, it's not my thing. Okay. But, I mean, there's 11 in there. So yeah. Well, you're yeah, gonna, great. You're going to find, and many of them are pretty small. A few of them are pretty substantial Okay. Uh, as far as how they impact or, or influence the game. But uh, I really think there's something for everyone, and I think there's more than one thing for everyone. It sounds really cool. I'm very excited. It's, 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 it does sound very cool. So uh, what's the target date? Uh, the release of the expansion will be in August. I okay. think they're going to have uh, copies at Gen Con to sell. Awesome. Uh, Pre-orders will... So I believe it's May 30th is the announcement, the official announcement uh, for the expansions, like pre-ordering everything. And if he follows the same model that he followed for my little side, which he just announced this month, yeah, I imagine pre-orders will be open for a week to two weeks, a week and a half, something like that. Very cool. Um, that you can do directly through the Stonemeyer website, and uh, he and has that's this, Stonemeyer .com. I believe it's Stonemeyer. I probably should have looked that up. I, should, I, <laughs> I believe I it's Stone as well. or Stonemeyer Games. Something. Google <laughs> Stonemeyer Games. You'll it find out. it. You'll figure it out. Uh, but anyway. Uh, he actually just launched this cool new program. It's like twelve bucks a year. I'm not. I'm really not trying to shill for, for Stonemaier here, but it's a cool program. Yeah. For like twelve bucks a year, you get if you order directly through Stonemaier, you get free shipping. You get a discount, I believe, on your orders. Cool. And you get on pre-releases, you get early shipping. Oh, so if you order wow. in the pre-release window, I love that. You no guarantees. I'm not Jamie. You might have the game before Gen Con. Wow. So um, so is it like Gen Con pickup? That will be separate. So Jamie, okay. Jamie does not. I do know this. Jamie does not do a Gen Con pickup. Okay. Um, I believe Meeple Source is doing a Gen, Gen Con pickup for My Little Scythe. Okay. I have a feeling they'll also do a Gen Con pickup for The Rise of Fenris. Okay. But um, if you order directly through Stonemeyer, it'll come to your house. That, and that's I cool. I believe before. I suspect before Gen Con, if not before, then short, then that's, before retail at least. Yeah, well, that's uh, very cool. So I, I know so, it's like, I'm at a convention. I don't, I don't 
me personally, and I like small conventions. Home. I don't want to carry a bunch of stuff. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, can I just get this at my house? Right. So, so yeah. re- retail <laughs> release will be shortly after Gen Con, um, either August or very early September, okay. I imagine. Very cool. And if you order through Stonemeyer, you should get it before then at least. Okay. So, so. Joe, I know you're listening to the podcast. <laughs> so I know you want this. Costasaurus. So pre-order through, through Stonemeyer.com. That's right. Yes. There you go. Or whatever it's called. Jo- join the Stonemeyer Cham- Champions program. Do it, and, Joe. And free shipping. Joe. Okay, cool. Well, so. Ryan, this has been fantastic. Yeah, thanks so much Thank for having me. Thank you for having me. Um, if, um, are you on socials and stuff for, so people can contact you? Yeah, so you? I float around. And in case it wasn't clear, I'm another local guy here. That's why I wanted to yeah. contact you guys. Yeah. I just live here in Linwood, Washington. But um, cool. I'm on, I'm pretty freq- or pretty uh, prolific, at least as a watcher, on the board game group. Yeah, uh, board game me too. Geek, <laughs> uh, <laughs> pages for Scythe. Uh, I don't contribute as much as maybe I could because I generally just defer to Jamie. It's yeah. so fast. Like yeah. Half the time I couldn't beat him if I wanted to. Yeah. Uh, and I am also really uh, a frequent visitor on the uh, Scythe Facebook group. Cool. So you can find me on there as well. Um, I don't otherwise have like any kind of board game related social media presence yeah. because yeah. I'm just a high school English teacher who got super lucky. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I hear you. So, uh, yeah, but it's, it's super exciting and um, I think people are going to really find it uh, rewarding and satisfying. Cool. And I really hope this is just a a plea from me, the co-designer. <laughs> if, when the rule book is released, you have access to the whole rule book, but please, you can read up to about page 13 with minimal spoilers. There's a couple spoilers yeah. in the middle there, like page 5 and 6 or something like that. Do yourself a favor and don't. Don't spoil it. <laughs> don't spoil it. Don't spoil it. It's, it's going to be fun. We've got some surprises. Hopefully there will be some whoa moments in there yeah. and stuff in the story. Very cool. So uh, I'm pretty excited. I've gotten a preview of some of the components, and the components are really awesome. Cool. Yeah, I got very, very cool. They're cool. Awesome. <laughs> Great. Well, Ryan, thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Paul. All right. Well, then thank you guys for watching and listening. We'll talk to you later. It was great talking to Ryan. I'm sorry you weren't there, Joe. Um, he's, he's a teacher as well, which you, you, you learned because you just listened to the interview. Yeah, and you were um, telling me. Um, it was so cool. It was an really, amazing interview. I am really I bummed about it. I love every really moment of it. And I haven't even played Scythe, and I really want to play it now. Let's, I'm hoping Joe's going to teach me how to play Let's it. interview him again. After it comes out. Yes. <gasps> oh, maybe we can play a game with him. Maybe we can come here and play it with him because he lives like down the street. Oh, that'd be really? Great. Yeah. And he's a teacher, you said. He's a, te- he's a high school teacher, so he was great because mm-hmm. I didn't know anything. Um, uh, he um, just kind of. But took what the about the restraining <laughs> order he got on you? Well, yeah. Well, there's that too. I got a lot of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You got a nice little collection on your wall. Yes. I'm framing <laughs> them very nicely. Yes. <laughs> They're actually color coded by um, level of yes. intensity and degree. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's like the national. So like no one ever comes back for a second interview. Why is that? I don't know. That's don't weird. Know. Like, except for that, um, Alex. He comes back. Yeah. Yeah. He, he likes you. Yeah. Yeah. For some he does. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> okay, so... Um, well, this bit's dead. So let's go. What, what else so, we got going on? Moving on, we have another great interview from the segment of the show. I don't know what it's called. Geek's Tabletop Game Review. Geek's Tabletop Game mm-hmm. Review with Kelly yes. and Doug. And they're going to talk about Rajas of the Ganges. All right. really fun. Well, let's check that out, guys. Here we go. This section of the podcast is brought to you by Around the Table, Linwood's premier game store and hangout for game lovers of all ages. Buy a game, play one of ours, or join us for a drink. Whichever you choose, you'll have a great time. Around the Table Game Pub. Now back to our show. Hey geeks, welcome to another Geeks Tabletop Game Review. I'm Kelly and this is Doug, and today we're reviewing... Rajas of the Ganges. I always mess it up. I always mess it up. It's like this and Feast for Odin. 
Feast for Odin. Not Feast of Odin. Feast of Well, no, I, I oh. can't say Rajas of the Gan of the Ganges. Of the Ganges, yeah. Of the Ganges. Because it's a different A sound in each each word. Yes. It's weird. But yeah. So this is a new one from uh, Marcus and Inca Brand. They've done uh, Village and My Village before. They also did um, the Escape the Runes okay. from last year that won the the Game of the Year. Game of the Year, strategy game of the year. One of the one of the Spiel awards. Yeah, I think it was yeah. strategy game, mm-hmm. not the game of the year, but definitely strategy yeah. game. It's got artwork from Dennis Lahausen. He's, He's done got work. like sixty some odd games under his belt, doesn't he? Yeah, it's quite a long list. Uh, most notably is Camel Up. He's also done work on multiple Dominion expansions, so you can see his artwork on some of those cards, which is pretty nice. Yeah. yeah. He's a decent artist. I mean, I love the artwork of this game. I would probably buy it just for the artwork. Mm-hmm. I have done Absolutely. that on, on multiple games. Uh, and it's published by R&R Games. Okay. They've done, most notably, that I think you would know is Hanabi, that fireworks card game. Right. Yeah, that I one. remember games that I play. Yep. They've also done uh, some other strategy games, Mombasa and New Haven, that are somewhat similar in strategy to this, but not kind of the same gameplay. Okay. So, decent decent strategy publisher along those lines. So, this game is uh, made for two to four players, uh, and it, does, it has a flip board, so it does work with two players, and it does work with three players, and it does work with four players. Uh, however, add about half an hour to game time per player. It's a little ridiculous. Uh, uh, it's so what I've noticed about this is with the different sides of the boards, I haven't looked at it. I know that these are different here, but I don't know if the river spaces are different. I, they're the amount of people who can go to the river space is different, uh, and there's definitely two spaces there, and it adds this market space. Mm-hmm, a second one yeah. of those market spaces. I haven't compared the rivers either. I haven't either. No. It's something to look at. Uh, it is fifty bucks, uh, and they do recommend with the twelve. Twelve and up. Twelve yeah. and up. Twelve to ninety-nine, as the box says. Right. So I guess my grandma can't play it. Oh, I'm sorry. So in this game, players are <laughs> represented as rajas. That is kind of a, a ruling class in India, and they are working to improve a their estates. Class in I don't know. They're what it is. small kings. Or dukes, if you will. That's a ruling class. A ruling class. So they're working to uh, upgrade and uh, maintain their estates, which are represented by their player boards that we have set up to the side. Um, And you're also working, uh, as you upgrade them and add new buildings to them, you also want to kind of balance the money that you're making as well as the, the fame that you're getting for having these buildings in your provinces. And we will take a look at that down here on the board. And so we have our board set up here. Uh, we've set it up for a two-player game. And we have over here our player board. So you can look at all the interactions of the players there. Uh, so to start the game we have set up, uh, we put all these pieces where they're exactly supposed to go. So we have our river boats, our fame markers, our money markers. Uh, and then we have rewards that we can unlock uh, that are out here as well. And meeples that we can unlock at the... 20 money mark and the 15 fame mark and this spot on the river so as you progress you'll get those meeples and then you can have more workers why are you giving me first player because based on how you put the money so based on how kelly put the money markers out here first player starts on three and then everyone after them goes one space in front of the previous person you're always blue no i'm always blue 
thought I messed them up right. You even have the blue pieces in I front of you. I do have the blue pieces in front of me. Alright, so in addition to all of those, we have uh, some karma here. Uh, and we have our fame reward markers for building these different types of buildings. Now there's also these special tokens on here that for the, the basic game that we're setting up, they have different rewards underneath them that we'll flip over and see. There's free dice that you can get, there's free money you can get, there's free karma you can get, and uh, a free improvement for one of the building types. And these are all flipped over and shuffled and randomized. So in an advanced game, you'll actually play with all four of these building types, and those tiles are here. Uh, out there as rewards and they flip over so you can choose your reward that you're going to take. Mm -hmm. uh, those also correspond with the rewards, the rewards over here on the player board. So uh, if you build to these spaces on the player board you get that reward. In a more advanced game they actually become uh, other things and some of them are blank so that you can replace them with these rewards and build to them. No. Also part of Sotheby's. You Thanks. did you did decent, but I think you got the wrong side of the Cali statue. So in the basic game, <laughs> we get ten spaces for dice, and everyone starts with a dice of each color. We will roll them, and they get set into spaces on your Cali statue, Cali statue. And those are basically your resources for the game. They are used to uh, activate abilities on the board visiting some of these nobles over here. You can even spend the dice to gain other dice of different colors. Yep. They're useful when you visit the market to sell certain types of goods. Uh, they also get used uh, if you come over here to buy things on top of the market. Uh, they go to these tiles. The which, quarry. The quarry, uh, which allow you to get stone so you can build various types of buildings. And this is what we were talking about in kind of growing your estate. You'll notice that everything around your building over there is just forest. So you'll be adding tiles to that to kind of gain you fame for having buildings or possibly gain you money for having different types of markets. Yeah, so these are market tents and these are buildings. So if you notice, there is four different types of buildings. Uh, and there is yeah. a fourth type. And there's three different types of goods. Yep. It looks like tea linen and spices spices or corn probably spices i'm thinking spices yeah so on your turn you're going to take one of your meeples kelly you are first so you get to choose what you want to do and you can place it on any space available on the board like i said you have these nobles you can visit here you can gain extra dice down here you can go to the core to build you can go to the markets to gain money based on if you have markets on your player board or you can visit here at the river space uh, to go up the river. The very basic things that you can do is get more dice. Down here there's four spaces for the two-player side to get a single die which is free yep. and there's four spaces over here to spend a die. Anytime you place your worker on a space that has something inside that space that is basically what you have to pay or give up from your player board in order to go there. So looking over here uh, I'm, I rolled pretty high dice here so we can, or Doug rolled them for me. Uh, we're gonna try and go for one of these tiles. So I want two more green or two more orange. So I'm gonna trade in my purple for two green. So my guy goes down here and I get two more green dice. Those get back to the pile and I roll these dice. Not bad, that was a three. 
Uh, so we now have the 10 required, adding all those up together for this year. Yeah. There's also a space here that you can place there, get two money, and roll re-roll any number of dice that you have in case you have a really, really bad, bad number and don't like them. Yeah. Also, whenever you spend a dice for any action out on the board besides that one, you can spend one of your karma points to turn that die over. So one becomes a six, two becomes a five, three becomes a four, anything like that. That way you can, if you say you wanted to get that 10 and you had a six and a two, you could take the six and flip over the two by spending the karma. And you can have at max three karma at any time. And it is flip, not I... Choose a side. Not it is, choose a side. It, it is, is turned, flip the dice over. Yeah. I... Next, uh, we can go and buy things. So the first person to move here costs one, so we'd move myself down and to spend the one, and then we can build this awesome tile. So we have to build it where our roads always connect back to our palace, is the word. So it always has to connect back to the palace. So I could place it here, here, or here, and depending on which reward I want to get or work towards. So I would get it instantaneously. I would spend all of these dice for the Yeah, game. there are no refunds on spending dice. No refunds on spending dice. Uh, and then I would immediately get three money back. And I get three money for building this tent. So you get three money for the tent and then three money for completing that For getting rewards. that reward. Yep. So the final thing we might want to do with our turn, uh, we could... Uh, either go to market, uh, where we could uh, spend a dice to sell that many tenths worth of goods. So I could spend a one to sell one tenth worth of good, or I can try and sell three different goods for free. Uh, that would net me three gold. Don't think I want to do that yet. I don't have many markets, so we're going to probably do something else. We could uh, pay the ferryman to move our boat up one, two, or three spaces, a sp depending on what die face I hand the ferryman. However, I can only go to the ferry if I have a one, two, or three. I don't, I have two fives. Mm -hmm. And spending the one, two, or three, if you spend the one, you move one, you spend, you basically move up to the number that's on the die. Yeah. Always moving at least one. So then we come to some of our fellow Rajas. Uh, this guy here, he takes only ones, uh, but he gives you the first player token and two fame. This one takes only twos, but she'll give you two dice of any color and a token of your choice. And that's how you get the, the tokens in the basic game. That's how you get your tokens in the advanced game, too. You can just choose which one. Yeah, there's, there's other ways in the advanced game, but we haven't talked about it a bit yet. Uh, for the three, for a three die, you can get two karma and another die back. So it's kind of, you can change colors, possibly change values. Yeah. A four lets you improve any of these uh, fame rewards for the different types of buildings. Plus, it gets you three money. In, uh, I think it's blueprints. It gives you better blueprints so you can build better palaces and windmills. Yeah, something like that. The five and the the five is the the most kind of intricate one. That uh, requires you to have um, another another tile on your estate. It lets you spend a five 
to basically build over a previously placed tile. So what we could have done, if we had enough green to do it, uh, would be to build this first, score for building those buildings, and then build on top of it to have the market. Yeah. you'll The five that you discard will always count towards the tile that you want to purchase. But you still also have to spend but we don't have any green, dice colors to so match that, that tile. So you could purchase with your fives there, you could purchase either of the orange tens um, or the, that purple yeah. nine down there. So we could spend the blue five to add it to our red or orange five to build this over here. Or no, nope, we have to you go gotta on top. build it on top. I don't want to build it on top, so, yeah. I really don't. That's why it's, it's one of those intricate ones. It's ones you want to build most likely over yeah. those buildings. But it also lets you go and get things that you didn't have before. Like, say you were over here, because you can place these in any orientation, and you completely miss this reward. Well, now you can go back and get it and improve. Mm -hmm. But you also have to maintain the, the path back to your palace. Yes, which I thought I did. So, uh, for my third... Uh, placement, I think what we'll do is we're going to spend a karma. We skip the six. Or we skip the six. The six lets you move exactly six spaces on the river track. Now, this is six unoccupied spaces. Unoccupied which I, is important. So, if Kelly's all the way up here and I want to go here and spend a six, I move one, two, three, hop over her for four, five, six, and I would get four money. Boom. So I think what we're going to do is, uh, for the third action is spend a karma to flip, let's see, we're going to keep the orange one. We're going to flip this into a two and send our meeple over to the two, spending our two to get two dice and an re instant reward. And our instant reward is three monies. Uh, I knocked over some things. Oh, you're, you're blue, aren't you? That puts you just short of this this money bonus. Well, it's not a money bonus. It's actually a river bonus. Well, it's on the money track. So having getting a certain amount of money gets you a bonus. The first ones here are on the 12 money space. They get you a free movement on the, the river. Once you cross it, you will take your marker. It flips over and it moves to the next bonus space. Now when it flips over, when you cross this one, you get two dice. Of any color. Of any color. And then it moves over and to then it moves over 44, to and then over to 40, 55. And then once you cross that one, it just comes off the board. Yep. So we do also have rewards on the fame track. Uh, so at 5, we get a level up on our architecture scrolls. And at then we get 15, meeples. you get your other meeples. And at 24. 24, we get two karma. And then at 31, we get a river spot. Now, some things that we didn't kind of talk out talk about for this basic game. Um, as you start to unlock your meeples around the board, in the basic game, you can only ever have at most five of your meeples. If you gain a two off the board, as I am grabbing yours, then the last one that's on the board gets removed and goes back to the box. Bye. So basically, players play one worker at a time around the board. We'll put these back because they're your extras. But then I have to go find the one that I threw over there. That's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> you basically play until everyone has played their meeples. So if you get a meeple for crossing a various point in, on the tracks, you get to play it immediately on that turn. And the next time that you would... So you keep playing. It goes into your pool of workers, and you can keep 
putting workers out there so long as you have workers. Yeah, and then once once everyone's placed their workers, the round is over. You'll take back all of your workers off the board on spaces, and then you'll start a new round. Yep. Now, the way that this game plays, there's, there's a, a nice balance between... Uh, playing the game and ending the game where we have these two different tracks around the edge of the board one counts money which you will always be spending and earning and one counts fame going the opposite direction and this is fame for doing certain spaces on building the these give you fame you can earn fame yeah spaces on the river board spaces on the river taking the first player marker gets you a couple fame yep now you you play the game until one person has crossed their money with their fame and that could happen any space on the board. Kelly could ramp into a bunch of money. It's touching, actually. So this is an end-of-game condition. This is also an end-of-game condition. And I could be all the way over here with, like, 36 money, but a whole bunch of fame. It wouldn't the first matter. Guy we, the first guy we played had, like, what he had, like, 18 fame, and he had, like, 96-some-odd money. It was ridiculous. That was one of the things that we... First time playing, we didn't really catch it at first. But it's something to, he to just kept about. building markets and then taking things to market. Mm-hmm. I think he ended up making like two or three market trips a turn. Yeah. That's a definite strategy if no one else is doing it. Yeah. But yeah, this this is a really nice end of game uh, trigger that I like. It's, it's different than a lot of things. And the way that ties work, it's a little bit weird it's kind of whoever did it first and then if you tie uh because you finish the round so if you tie uh it's whoever crossed the most Mm -hmm. so if i'm here and let's do a reasonable amount of money for you based on where (laughs) you are i mean you could have shot ahead by like 12 i don't know but you're counting the number of fame spaces that you were yeah which i think we're tied here Second tiebreaker is just whoever triggered end of game first. No, because I'm only one past the token that my thing is on, and you are two past the thing that your token is on. So that would be... No, I'm one fame ahead of my fame. Is it fame? Well, you're two money ahead of your fame, and I am only one money ahead of my fame. Okay. It's, it's a little it's bit weird. It's the crossing point. Yeah. So this would be your cross... Your one, two, three, four, as opposed that to makes one, sense. two, yeah. three. So we will so, be right back with our pros and cons. Hey, Doug, favorite thing about the game? The end game, the whole scoring thing. How it ends? I like it. That's kind of what drew it to me, drew me to it the first time. Couldn't think of any other games that kind of end that way, of somebody doing so well that they cross the... I mean, there's there's ones where you cross the finish line, and but... There's... Isn't it Lords of Vegas? I've never played Lords of Vegas. I haven't played Lords of Vegas. I've only played a couple times, and it's been so long. But it's it's something like that. I mean, by the culture, it's you reading us reach a certain amount of points. One of those kinds of games. Okay. But there's so few ways to get. Not really a few ways to get points. There's. It's such a low score. I think it's like twelve points to end the game. Okay. So. All right. Um, what do you hate the most about it? What do I hate the most about it? There's you can get punished quite a bit uh, for kind of lagging behind, like you were talking about before. The guy that just had all of those markets and were, was kind of 
gaining a bunch of money. You need to. It you is need possible to, to flounder in this game. A little bit, yeah, and that's something to to worry about too. It's you gotta work on making fame and also making money so you can do actions with that money. I mean, that first game, you and I were both here just hanging around in, in the 20s. The well, we were also playing incorrectly. We weren't getting money every time we built a market. We were only getting money when we went to market. But it, in that case, it kind of balances out that we didn't get that money a little bit. A little bit? Mm-hmm. I mean, building the, the ones with multiple markets on it, yeah, you're missing out on all of that extra income. Yeah. But I just thought it was really easy to spend all your dice and forget to get dice back. Yes, that is another thing to worry about is making sure very, that you have easy. your dice to do actions is something to definitely worry about. I do like that there's a lot of replayability. There's, uh, well, there's like, the, the basic game. Like, this thing. There's the advanced game uh, where we have these extra tokens, uh, which if you play this advanced game, you can also have up to six of your workers. There's also another one where, like you said, you have these, these little river tiles. River tiles that you put out randomly on the river track by rolling dice until you either reach the end of it or you placed all of them. Yeah. There's even if you're playing a three-player game, we didn't go through these. These cover up uh, the first space on uh, the river tile the on market. the other side and the one on the market on the other side because there's elephants there. That's what they are. I, just, I like the fact that it's not a space anymore. Yeah, because there's elephants there. Yeah, so it makes those spots a little ex more expensive. Um, I think it's... So my least favorite thing about this one is it, it's very easy uh, to fall behind. If you're floundering at all, it's it doesn't let you back up. Especially if you're playing with an opponent like Doug who picks those places where you need to go so you can get your dice back as quick as possible. And he's just like, oh, nope, I'm going to go take this space that gives me two things, and then I'm going to take this other space. That I mean, that two space is, like, uh, one of you, the best spaces. If somebody is not on that two space where you spend one die to get two, that is, except down here, where you have to pick uh, your color of dice. But you have to have dice to spend to do that. So if you don't have any dice... You can't even come here. You have to, like, hope you go up the river a little bit or come over here to these single space of dices, and then you pick the purple one, and then Doug's like, no, I'm going to spend my purple one to get two green dice. And you're like, ah. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> a lot of things that people will definitely take the space that you're looking at. Oh, absolutely. It's very easy to keep somebody down once they're down. On the other hand... It's also easy it to It takes come back. a lot of coordination in a multiplayer game to do that. Uh, you have to kind of... It's worse than not trading somebody sheep in Settlers of Catan and just everybody <laughs> agreeing that nobody's going to give him sheep. However, in this game, I guess my favorite thing is there's a lot of different things that you can do to come back from it. There's a, You can play the river, you can go to the Ganges, you can build a ton of markets. There's a... A lot of different things that you can do to get wiggle around your opponents because they can't keep you down for long and eventually it will start hurting them to do so uh, and they will need to go to market instead of taking those dice paces eventually uh, so you can come back the things we never dealt with too much were these end of the river ones that are there's four different market spaces that just was right the, here that was the other thing that that guy was doing is he would he had all those markets in on his player board that that camera's not on anymore so he had all his markets on his player board 
So he would go to the river, spend a one, and then spend a two. So he would hit all of these upper markets and then go to the market twice. So he was hitting the market two or three times a turn easily. And that's something to also watch out for as you see someone It took buying... him an hour to get that point, though. A little bit, yeah, but... He was also, yeah, racking up money and then spending it to kind of buy some yeah. of the tiles that he would need to kind of increase his fame slowly but surely all the way up to the point where... I think it was like he got his fame accidentally through the river spaces so he could get up here and do market stuff. It wasn't like he was going for fame. Yeah, so there's lots of strategies to start with. Um, I think the one game that we tied... Tied. We did tie tie. I think our, our second game where we played it correctly, we both tied. Tied. Actually tied. We had two um, different strategies, though. We did, yeah. I started off with uh, increasing fame early on and then dealing with money later, where I think you still dealt with money I was money doing the decently. market stuff because I was watching that other guy and seeing it work. Yeah, exactly. I tried the market stuff. And you're like, I'm just going to increase all of these things and just build a bunch of things, and that's all you kind of did. So your fame was all the way up here, but your money was down there. Mm -hmm. And my money was up here, and my fame was kind of somewhere. Because some of these tiles do have uh, Both of them markets and pieces on them. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one thing that I got to during like our fourth or fifth playthrough when we started doing the advanced rules is early game, get some of the markets so you have an option for income. A space. Yeah. You, suddenly you can start using these space, mm -hmm. no, spaces, if nothing else. Yeah. So there's there's definitely lots of ways to play the game, at least in an early game, and then kind of evolving over that towards the late oh, yeah. game. So Definitely changing your strategy based on your opponent's strategy. Mm -hmm. Oh, he's getting purple dice? I guess I'm not going to get any purple dice to buy these things. You just go for what they're not doing. Things yeah. like that. Yeah, that's great. So thanks for tuning in again. Absolutely. Uh, if you've got any recommendations uh, for us to review or want to see us play something else, uh, shoot us a line on Facebook or on Twitter. We got that out. Yes. Uh, I think the last one we did was Feudum. I don't know what we're doing next. We are kind of deciding on what we want to do. So if you got something for Isn't us, let Starfinder? us know. I know we're playing Starfinder in a few weeks, but I don't know if we're going to review that next. We've got something, I think we'll have something picked out for the, the next review that you'll enjoy. Mommy is in Clank. Ooh, I think I think that'll be the one. All right, thanks, guys. Raj's at the Ganges. That, that was great. Well, that's great. It kind of got, again, they do an amazing knocked job. out of the park. They do an amazing job. I really do like their reviews. Yeah, they and they're fun to play fun. games with, yes. too. Well, we still need to do the Starfinder, which we're going to do. <laughs> yes. Oh, I we want that. Going to do. I, I, I want to know mm. more about that yes. myself. For me being me such, it's just such an RPG yeah. noob. That is, um, like I've talked about, I'm not into like the fantasy theme. Mm -hmm. So I've yeah. tried D&D uh, numerous times. I just don't get into it because of the theme as much. Mm -hmm. um, but I love this, uh, the aspect of a sci-fi theme. And so well, we're going to try to put together cool. an hour episode. We're going to actually make it part of our special. And then uh -huh. we'll do a little review of it. Cool. Yeah, I'm down. And on that note, if you want us to do a game review, yes. or if you just want to ask us a question, contact us at geeksofcascadia at gmail.com or Facebook us at Geeks of Cascadia. We also even do Twitter. Even Twitter and Instagram. Oh, and we do Instagram. Instagram happens. See how cool we are? We're super cool yeah, in heads. Yes, we're super cool. But what we 
really, really, really would like for you to do is to rate us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Give us Facebook. five stars, yeah. Facebook. Or be honest so we can grow. Well, yeah. be honest about the comments, but not about the stars. And if you're watching give us on, if you're watching on YouTube and you like it, please give it a thumbs up. Yeah, or say yeah. something. Like we, uh, and thank you to all of the new watchers on YouTube because we got a whole bunch last week. That yeah, we did. yeah, we did. Yeah, impressive. I'm not, I'm not sure what happened. Maybe you accidentally collected or something. That is <laughs> over fantastic. And yes. Over and over and over and just kept. And you know what would be better? Like the one person that just uh -huh. is helping us out by just yes. watching well, we and just, watching we just it. Have yes. one stalker watching 43 times. Well, if you could, Thank too, you, stalker. subscribe <laughs> to our podcast, subscribe to our YouTube, and guess what? You don't even have to watch or listen to it. Just so we got the just subscribe. Just it looks great for us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Please. Five stars. That's right. iTunes. By the way, guys, I saw the movie today solo. Oh, yes. Uh, did you see solo? I have not seen solo. I was oh, supposed to go great. yesterday. I wasn't feeling really well. Excited. And I missed oh, it. I won't say anything. Mm. And now I'm on vacation. I can't go see it. And then I have work nine days in a row and I can't go see it. Oh, right. my goodness. You got Sorry, it. Sorry, I know. It's going to be a couple weeks. Okay. Have you guys seen Deadpool 2? Oh, yeah. No. That's we can't gonna, even talk anymore. Gonna be, I, mean, you, we, I was like, talk about it. I was like, I opening for day for that one. I think is yeah. where I went. Yeah. Oh man. It was. Re I was really impressed. Cable has always mm -hmm. been one of my favorite characters ever mm -hmm. since the. Um, honestly, the the ninety ninety three X Men show, uh, where they kind of did this Days of Future Past esque storyline, but instead it was Cable from the future okay. who had mm -hmm. to go back and kill somebody to save the future. Really, really, really good. So the just having what's the name, Josh Brolin mm -hmm. as yeah. Cable was just amazing. amazing um, and I loved. Actor. And this doesn't ruin anything, but I just love it when, just like the stabs they make at other movies, like they did something, and I think he comes out and Deadpool's like Thanos or says something <laughs> like this because he plays Thanos in the Marvel movie. Yeah. So there's just like all there's like a million little Easter eggs like that. Okay. And it, it's. I thought Domino stole the show. She's amazing. She yeah. She's great. Yeah, her and Cable. I mean, Deadpool's great, of course, but but the thing is, that's what happens with like Ryan Reynolds. That mm -hmm. he's always wanted to make it. It was his baby, and um, I don't know if I told you like the the story with him. But when he was uh, when he was younger, it was years and years and years before he even did Deadpool, mm -hmm. uh, the failed Deadpool in the Wolverine Origins. He was reading a comic, um, a Deadpool comic, and in the comic, somebody said. What did you look like before you know all the cancer hit you? And he said, "I looked like a mix of it was somebody and Ryan Reynolds." And he oh, said wow. he read that and he was like, "What? That's it? I got I got to be awesome. him because he's he's been a um, a Deadpool comic reader um, well before the movies. He's just always wow. on the character. So and he's a producer. He's no. he's he helps write the story like it's right. it is his baby. What I don't get is everyone knows what happens at the end of Marvel movies. Yeah. At the yeah. end of Deadpool 2, people were walking out. I was like, yeah. hey, what are you doing? I walked we out, still, we I walked still out got Infinity stuff Wars. going on. What? Yeah. You did? Yeah. Okay, let okay, me. It wasn't going to be a joke. <laughs> it's like, eh, I know what happened. Here's a tip. You didn't like Infinity War? I liked it. I, 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 I didn't stay for the end thing after the credits. If you're going to send hate email because yeah, Paul doesn't Paul. like. Still Paul. Then you're don't send well, hate Still Paul. Paul. Yeah, do, <laughs> you you missed you missed the after credit scene where what happens is you see um Scarlet Witch go <gasps> and she wakes up and it turns out it was all a dream. Oh this yeah. Is bad. yeah. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. But here's a good trick. Here's a good trick for any movie. Don't leave till they turn the lights back on uh -huh. at the max level in theaters because if there's an after credit scene, 
they won't do it okay. until it's over. And so after that is when they start raising the lights. So that's a good trick. Well, that's a good tip. It. All right. The more you know. Bum, 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 bum. Well, I think that's all we got for today. That's right. So I think we'll do my, my send-off, which is basically embrace the nerd, and I hope you make that saving throw. Oh.